The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, welcome to pod 13 of Redside Latrent and Happy New Year too as we enter 2022, although not in the way we would like as the festive periods or post-Christmas anyway turned out to be a bit disappointing for Nottingham Forest, who succumbed to back-to-back defeats. Firstly, a 2-0 away loss at Middlesbrough and then a very, very annoying 1-0 home defeat to Huddersfield, which, well, saw Forest have 23 attempts on target and failed to score any of them, which is... Something we'll come on to now. Um, we'll start with that Huddersfield game because, uh, Lee, that's as dominant as Forest have been all year at home without taking their chances. How much of that is a concern for you? Um, yeah, it is, it is, and it's a concern that you can't stick the ball in the net. But I think, I think we have shown, particularly on the Cooper, that we have got players who can typically stick the ball in the net. So it's a small concern, but it's not... I thought what was quite nice was at the end of the game they got a big reception and there was less of the the kind of idiots who just persist on booing if you've not got three points. I thought it was mm. quite nice to see. Um, we literally couldn't have done any more than stick it in the net. Um, Johnson's was a bit of a sitter, but other than that, yeah. I think the other efforts were a bit unfortunate. Zinconagos that come off the bar. Um, Silver's fired two straight at the keeper when, in hindsight, if it's either side, then they're going in the net. So it's frustrating, but I think we showed that we can compete with the so-called better teams in this division. I know that I know that we've been critical of Huddersfield on this pod before, but ultimately they are, you know, they are where they are in the division because they're grinding out results. So I think we've got to consider them as a bit of a benchmark for where we need to aim this season. And, and we did go toe to toe with them, even if we didn't get three points off them. No, actually, I suppose the way to look at it, I mean. Sound like Arsenal here, trust the process FC. Um, if you have 23 attempts on goal, some of us, we're including the quality of the chances that we had, the chances are playing that way every week, you'll win much more than you lose. So, Adam, from that perspective going forwards, did you see enough to be positive that despite it being a very frustrating defeat in the sense that we were much the better side, there was still you know a good platform to build from from that? And that you're taking Positives from a negative, almost. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I'm I'm not going to apologise for what I said in the previous. That's no shit. Um, <laughs> we were far superior side. Um, what what Lee said about uh, the crowd because obviously I just watched it on on Sky. Um, mm. Saying about them being still quite happy is obviously a sign of where we're heading. Um, and I've seen people saying that they'd rather m- much lose in that manner. Uh, by having a having a go throwing the kitchen sink at the other, other team, then then losing out we did under Hooton. So that's that's a positive. It's good that we still created chances. Unfortunate that we didn't score any. I thought once Johnson missed that sitter, I just didn't think we were going to score. It was just going to be one of them days sort of thing. But it just shows how much we missed Jed Spence against Middlesbrough as well. But we've we've been on balance. I think we've done really well to say we've been we've missed both fullbacks at times or at least one of them on more than one occasion this season. So it's definitely a positive. Um, I still think we're, we're right in the hunt for that playoff spot. So I still think it's, it's for, up for anyone's grab, uh, anyone's um, up for anyone really, but um, yeah, we've just got to see how this January pans out and see, see where we go. And obviously we've got to start picking up results again, because two, two losses on the trot for the first time since Cooper's come in is, it's still a big achievement really. 
Like, so it's it's all good. I'm 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 not too disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I suppose from again, like you said, from that, uh, especially compared to how we were losing games in the Houston, like if you're giving me a choice of losing like that against Huddersfield, where we're coming out very angry that we had didn't take our chances, but still thinking, oh, you know what, we actually played well, as opposed to that Stoke game where we didn't have a single shot on target, and you're coming out angry saying like fuck the club, fuck everything. It's a complete contrast. Um, although again, we were somewhat architects of our own downfall. Um, the goal that Huddersfield score from Dwayne Holmes, of course, salt with the wounds further, being an ex-Darby County man. Uh, Reese, there was so much wrong with that goal from where do you even start? So, see, Silver loses the ball on the edge of the box. Then you had a Jader and Garner slow to close them down. Then you had Worrell backing off to the point he was basically in the trend ends. And then you have Samba being beaten at his near post. I mean, in terms of catalogue of errors, I, I don't know how Forrest even done anything like that this season prior to that. And I guess you could say it was a little bit similar to the Hall goal where they literally kind of dropped it into that area and their, their player in homes this time ran through and slammed it past Samba. But the thing with Huddersfield is they're better than Hall and they, they've got ahead um, like Hall did and we've managed to peg Hall back because they're down the bottom of the league whereas Huddersfield are fighting with us for the playoffs and they literally second half just wasted time and last 10 minutes just had a defensive block and we literally just couldn't break them down. Mm. Um, so I know that's frustrating, but you've got to give a little bit of credit to them for that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a shame. It is a shame about the goal. Um, but on any other given night, we probably could have scored four or five and you literally wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I, I literally said to the... Um, person who sits next to me when the zinc and argo one hit the bar post whatever <laughs> it kind of just with that it was hit without much power you know that took the bar off I just thought that it's just going to be one of them nights and it turned out to be and it, it's just such a shame because you know like we just spoke in the on this brilliant run and that but it's just disappointing to lose to Uddersfield because they're fighting with us to get in them playoffs and that with us being at home as well, it is a bit of a disappointment. But we, we hopefully we can move on and we can beat Barnsley, and then uh, move on into the new year again. Yeah, I think um, the moment for me actually, like, you put in our little chat, didn't you? That sort of like that was the moment you thought the Zinkenegger one. It's not the behind night. Obviously, uh, Adam said it was the Johnson miss. For me personally, it was the um, Spence worked wonders down the right hand side and he cut the ball across goal. And Grabham went towards it and just didn't get there. It was just a fresh air shot, essentially. And um, I was like, well, if he's, if he's not going to connect with that, that's the best chance we'll have created for him all night. Then, yeah, get it. I mean, I'm not sure on you guys, but I literally thought if we could get level before probably with 10, 15 minutes, I thought we'd have gone on and beat him. I think I even at any point in that game. If I we just got generally level, thought yeah. if we got, it was either going to be we win this 2-1 or they win this 1-0. I don't think it would have... I think if we would have got a goal with time to spare, we would have gone on and beaten because, you know, they was on the ropes for much of the second half. But, you know, we was the masters of their own downfall. Unfortunately, we couldn't sit the ball in the net. So we got what we deserved in the end, which was a bit of a shit-ass, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Again, like you said, if you look at it from that perspective, obviously we, yeah, we don't put the ball in the back of that. You don't deserve to win games of football, but still stings a little that we didn't really. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's we came away it. from that about anything, but you know yeah. we've set the we've set the standards in the Cooper that we're going into a games at home against Huddersfield. I'm not going to say teams like Huddersfield, but against <laughs> Huddersfield, where you think, yeah, we should not should, but yeah, fancy us beating these tonight, so. To not get anything out of the game, especially on now the game's gone as well. Yeah, that was disappointing. Mm. Um, one game that we can't really complain about how the result and what we got. If anything, in some ways, this I came out of it feeling a bit be- not not better, but like you sort of come to ease of it much easier because we're going to the Borough game now and two 0 loss, where frankly we were beaten by a much better side, Lou, on a day. Yeah, massively. Um... It didn't do uh, the fans that are clamouring for Wilder still 
uh, you know, it gave them so much ammunition, didn't it? I mean, it was a very smiling in the background. If you um, if you ask Alexa to show you a, a Chris Wilder performance, you'd get that showcase against Forest. To be honest, um, it was everything that's good about what Chris Wilder tries to do with teams. Um, and sadly, we were wrong the wrong end of it. Um, I just think what didn't help us was the fact that Spence couldn't play. Um, obviously, you've got to play young thing back in there, which is nothing against him, but he's just clearly not ready. I mean, to ask him, a player who's typically a fullback, to go and play wing back in a system that is ridiculously over reliant on the wing backs was just a recipe for disaster. But that's where we are. We, we're, we're short in that area, and um, it was a case of needs must. So, it was disappointing, but I think if you look at the team we had out that day, it was, yeah, there was more than enough perhaps to get a point, but winning was always going to be um, perhaps a long shot, especially given how well Middlesbrough have been playing under Wilder. Yeah, I mean, we all said before, didn't we, that this would be quite the tough one out of the two, um, or tougher one out of the two. And, you know, barring a 10-minute spell in the second half, they were pretty much all over us. I mean, and even then, that's a perfect example. Like, they were under the, under the cosh for 10 minutes and they break away and score. So... At that point, it kills the game. Whereas, you know, showing that ruthless touch again. Um, but again, <laughs> race in terms of architects of our own downfall. How would you explain a player who's played so well this season doing a 180 in his box and then levering it into his own goal? <laughs> it does happen in football, you know, as, as frustrating as it was. And I'm not going to go OTT and start absolutely you know, ripping Ryan Yates to shreds because under Cooper, he's been brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to look at it. Um, it's just on that one instance. Football is a game of praise and critique and when you make a glaring error like it was, you're going to get some stick. Um, you know, some people take that like it's, you know, I'm calling his family. Well, people are calling <laughs> his family um, as really personal, but that's how football is, unfortunately. You know, they've been praised enough under Cooper and when you know you make mistakes especially one as bad as that you're going to get a bit of stick but it was a shame because it was a pretty dull game really I thought before that and that gave them that switch in momentum they absolutely battered us till half time then and to be honest I'll, I even tweeted I was happy we'd gone in at 1-0 because it could have been we could have, they could have been out of sight Borough um, and disappointing again is we had an absolutely glorious chance to get back into it and we squandered it. And, and again, if we would have took that chance, you never know, we might end up turning it round because that's what we've done under Steve Cooper. So you'd have, you'd have to say Borough deserved it, the three points. But again, master of his own downfall this time and error. And again, not taking his chances cost us any chance for point or whatever. I think what was annoying actually, you were actually quite right because we they started they were straight out of the blocks the proverbial box bar and they were straight onto us straight in our faces zipping it around moving through the lines at a quite an aggressive manner. We sort of took the sting out of the game a bit and they sort of eased off and tired, and then Yates did that and then like you said just flick the switch for them and they just went for it again. Um, whereas I felt had that not happened, we were slowly growing into the game at that stage. It's, it just shows how like the smallest thing in football can change it, but. Um, in a big way but yeah of course typically you know last pods me and Adam slate Huddersfield and they beat us last pod Lee <laughs> says Sinclair signing in the summer and he misses an absolute sitter um, me, for, for our listeners who play FIFA that is literally <laughs> one you just the due goal is determined to, and as soon as Johnson passed it to him I was like he's just going to stroke this in and it's and he you know did a rugby conversion instead which was absolutely vastly frustrating it just summed up Zinc's day, but it happened. It happened, you know, we've been on this sensational run, so you know, hopefully, yeah. like I've just said, we can bounce back tomorrow. Mm. I mean, Adam, I mean, obviously, we've spoken about Zinc before, obviously, been very full of plays, but the last two games, he's been far, far, far from his best, really. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Uh, I think in the Middlesbrough game, no one can really come out of that with. Saying that they played well over than maybe Bree Sambo kept us in it. Um, yeah, that reset yeah. Borough, Borough could have been outside and he made some superb saves. Um, so and then I thought actually, weirdly enough, Sander Silva come on and actually made a bit of an impact. Uh, 
I think he, he hit the post, I think. And then obviously we're not yeah. spoke about him against Huddersfield, but I thought he was superb against Huddersfield, to be honest. He, he, he looked pretty dangerous other than, than putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, but yeah, Zinc and Argel, uh, against Huddersfield, I mean, it's that rasper, it's the crossbar. Um, misses a sitter against Bro, that's what he is. He's hot and cold, isn't he? So um, I'm not too worried about it. Um, the emergence of Silver suddenly, though, does kind of maybe fill in a bit of a hole that we could have in January with this whole winger debacle. Because if he can start performing like he has, I mean, I thought he was getting sold. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, it looks like he could be he could be well within a chance of having it putting a stamp on the team really um, because of no Martin no Lolly for a while. Um, Johnson's hot and cold sometimes. Inconagua's hot and cold, so I don't see why not. Um, it's 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 a difficult one. Cooper's definitely got got some things to f- think about. And obviously, we've already made some moves, which I'm sure we're going to talk about soon enough. But yeah, Middlesbrough, no one was great apart from Samba. Huddersfield was one of them days. I, I, I'm not too disappointed. You know, we're going to move on. I think if we can bounce back against Huddersfield, we're we're, we're back on the on the train, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, move on, we will. In fact, onto what you just said. Um, January window has opened officially, and in very unorthodox Forest fashion, within 24 hours of the window opening, a signing was made, which for the first time since God knows when, um, actually shows some forward planning at the club as uh, Keenan Davis checks in on loan from Aston Villa. The six foot three striker doesn't have the most enviable goal record of just three goals in 73 games. However, it does seem that he might offer something very different to what we have at the minute because, uh, well, in terms of holding the ball up, race to say Lyle Taylor's been bad at it would be something of an understatement, especially in the last game against Huddersfield. He just he simply can't do it, can't he? That's that's you know that's the bottom line. Really. He just simply can't do it. He is, you know, I've said um, on previous pods that I think Taylor will score goals if given the service, and I, I do still stick by that in terms of. You know, in and it probably around the box, in and around the box, really. But Forrest, when they bring Lewis Graben off, usually, and for Taylor, I know he come and joined Graben the other night, but you know, we looked for our striker to hold the ball up, and then probably, you know, you bring your wingers into play, whereas Taylor can just not do that at all. So as soon as he come on the other night, I thought it, I thought it was a strange sub, but. He's the only striker on the bench, and when you're chasing the game, <laughs> you know it's one of them. And if if Cooper doesn't bring him on, someone's going to turn around and say, "Well, why are you not brought another striker on?" So, but yeah, like you said, his his goal record going going back to Davis isn't the best. Um, my hope for him is he can do what Taylor can't do, and that is hold the ball up and late on bring, you know, the likes of Johnson who always plays the the 90 minutes and whoever else is on the other wing, you know, to get them in behind sides and punish sides later on in the game. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, Cooper, I've seen Cooper said he's tracked him for a few seasons. So, someone who Cooper obviously likes, if to believe what he says. Um, and I do, wouldn't surprise if we saw Taylor moved on, out on even on loan. I think if someone was going to come in and pay a chunk of his wages whether you know if Taylor's on you know he's probably gone 25-30k a week isn't he if someone come in and paid 10 grand a week it wouldn't surprise me if Forrest let him go out on loan or even a permanent transfer because he is drifting towards surplus to requirements now for me yeah I don't think you're wrong and I think to be honest um, especially in regards to him getting chances I think if you put him say at Birmingham, with a manager he knows and trusts like Lee Bowyer, and next to someone like Troy Deeney or Scott Hogan or Zhukovic, if they still have Hogan, then you'll see more from Taylor in, in terms of goal output. Um, yeah, uh, whether it's because we don't play to his strengths, whether because he isn't good enough for us to play to his strengths in the scene that we have, it just doesn't really seem to be working. And hopefully Davis can change that. I mean, I know that he, um, no, he seems to be doing quite well this season in the other 23 league, the Premier League. Uh, getting a few goals and assists, which obviously I know um, Murphy is in particular has made quite a big point of sort of like analysing and looking into future gems there. So we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, go again, as we said before, 
can only see them on what they do in the forest shirt and you know <laughs> we all of us pretty much were quite um as a collective fan base were quite surprised that you know forest signed jed spence with minutes to go on the um on deadline day before and now he's pivotal to a squad so actually on the topic of spence um lee uh great news actually we can we have some great news air forest have been very early, early doors uh, a new loan deal has been made with Borough and Spence will be staying until the end of the season. So it will actually now be an honoured agreement uh, of that recall clause has been taken away. Just how important is that, both for Forrest moving forward, for aspirations this season, and really for Spence as well, to um, know his future's set and sorted? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, it's one area where we are short, so it's now an area that we haven't really got to spend time. Um, I know that Drag is currently at the AFCON, so... But when he gets back, you would think he'd act as the, the man to step in should he get injured. So it just allows the club to focus their attentions elsewhere, perhaps another attacking player, um, maybe another left-sided fullback. to be honest, uh, with Colback having to fill in there. Um, so, yeah, but I think what really kind of hit home to me how much we'd miss him was against Huddersfield when the ball was just drifting out for, I think it was going out for a goal kick. And he just put a sprint in, slid, kept it in and created a really good chance for us. Um, and, you know, you see someone do that and you think lone players don't typically do that. Lone players typically, you know, they, they do get an unfair rep sometimes, but sometimes it's accurate in the sense that they perhaps won't go that extra 10, 15% for the cause. And I think in doing that, Spence kind of showcased exactly what playing for Forest means to him. Um, we've given him a chance one that he perhaps wasn't getting at Middlesbrough. He clearly feels a bit hard done by uh, with how he's been treated there. Um, Neil Warnock for you, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it was really kind of nice to see a lone player uh, commit that much determination to the cause for, for the team. Um, I've, seen some, I've seen some stuff on social media that because of that one moment, he's now better than Matty Cash, which I think is... To say that Matty Cash has played over 50 times in the Premier League and he's now an international player, I think is a bit of a stretch. But, yeah, I do think that was one defining moment of Spencer's time at the club that made me kind of a bit upset that it could be his last game. So I'm, I'm really chuffed that it's over the line and long may it continue into the rest of the season. Absolutely, yeah. And um, hopefully beyond the season as well. Hopefully we can find some agreement. Because, I mean, as we said before, um, if not on the pod and in our little chat, you know, with Isaiah Jones there, really, it seems a bit unfair for at least one of them to be missing out. So hopefully they can prioritise Jones. We can get a, we can get some money together from somewhere and um, get Spence in permanently. Um, there is also uh, there has been actually some debate between us. We normally we're sort of like very we you know, we agree with each other, we appreciate our view, etc., and move on. However, um, the most recent Forest target, or one less one, not the most recent one, I'm coming to that in a second. Uh, it seems that Forest were quite close to signing Steve Cook from Bournemouth, a uh, 30-year-old defender, which somewhat goes against Dane Murphy's policy of signing players over the age of 26 unless, uh, for a fee, although it, we don't know it could be for nothing yet because he's out of contract in a few months and Bournemouth could just let him go like the Bavata. Um, Adam, this isn't really something you're too infused by. No. Um, I, just, I just, it was a bit of out of the blue, really, uh, going for someone like Steve Cook because I'm pretty sure he was playing most weeks for Bournemouth so just kind of it's a bit of a an odd one it's it I, I appreciate that he's played in the Premier League got lots of experience as a leader um done it been there got the t-shirt and everything but it just it just puzzles me in terms of how he's going to cost a lot of money I would expect in terms of wages so does that mean that we're moving someone on or um or, or what uh, I know we're gonna we might be losing uh, Figueredo in the summer because his contract runs out um, then obviously Mbeso's not come back since Coventry which is absolutely bewildering like what's what's happening with him um, Rodrigo Eli's just he come in he had a long term injury before which made no sense to sign sign him in my honest opinion um, and I still didn't mind the look of Baba Fernandez and Riley Harbottle in, in the in the under 23 setup. so it's I'm on the fence of it. I do lean more towards a no, unless there's all this other information that I would like to know comes out. And then it's like, well, yeah, all right, then, fair enough. But it, I, I just can't see him accepting 
wages that we can really afford to spend afford to pay when we've got other areas to worry about like left back or signing Jed Spence on a permanent or even looking at the likes of Tom Holmes from Reading for, for say or uh, Josh Bowler from Blackpool so, or, or even signing Brennan Johnson's new contract do you know what I mean it's I feel like that money could be spent elsewhere no it's a fair point and also um, the what concerns me about Cook is that at someone at age of 30 realistically he's not going to take anything less than a two and a half or three and a half year contract it won't be a short-term thing so he'll be locked in on a good contract which is exactly a situation we wanted to avoid because we've been stung so many times before in the past not saying that we should stop doing that moving forward the right person comes to mind but I don't know not entirely convinced myself but Lee you think it's good you think it's sensible signing yeah I suppose not to go against the grain for the sake of it but I don't know. I just, I actually thought he was older than what he is. Um, I don't think 30 is a bad age to, to go into our squad. I, I think you look at, you look at our typical 11 that plays. Um, if you take our best 11 from this season, it does lack some kind of players who have been there and done it in this division. Uh, yeah, you can say grabbing as. Um, you've got other players in there. Jack Colback is another. But, other than that, you've got, yeah, you can say that Worrell's experienced at this level, but is he a real leader? Does he know what it takes to get out of the division? Probably not. Scott McKenna's another one, always eight out of ten. Again, is he capable of, of knowing what it takes to get out of the division? Probably not. So for me, it's more, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying give him a, an Ariata 30 odd grand a week, four year deal, but I think if the, if the finances are right, um, I think what it does tell you as well is that Cooper doesn't particularly like playing four-two-three-one. I think he's yes. hell-bent on getting that extra centre-half in so that he can go with... I mean, he's a very clever man, Steve Cooper, is, and he will know that his team has not been anywhere near as efficient going forward when we play four at the back. Um, I think he will want... Johnson really thrives in that three-four-three system, and on his day, he's one of the most dangerous players in the division for me. And I think signing Cook will allow him to to utilise his favoured system more often than not. And I think sticking him in the middle of Worrell and McKenna, um, it, it could be something of a masterstroke. I think if the finances are right, it could really work. Um, he's been there. He's led teams to promotion, um, played loads and loads of games. My only slight concern would be that he would be coming at a time when he's not played loads of football. I think he's played just three times this season. So that would be a concern. But like I say, if the numbers are right and they all add up and Cooper wants him, then... It'd be a thumbs up for me. No, it's, it's fair enough. It's, it's going to see different sides of it as well. I mean, Reese, what about you? What's your take on it? Seeing as we're all sort of semi-split on him, do you have a, a deciding <laughs> vote? <laughs> I'll, I'll play um, devil's advocate and sit right in the middle. Um, <laughs> from what I've took out of it, it says to me that Embe show and Ely are nowhere near because, you know, we don't know what's happening with them two at the minute. It also probably indicates that down the line in the summer, you know, even this month, the club probably will expect someone to come back in for Joe Worrell at some point. Um, you know, is it? We've, the thing is, with you know, with Forest fans as well, we've all a lot of people moaned about Lewis Graben being captain. Now, Steve Court is probably a, who's an experienced Championship defender, played in the Premier League. You know, I think he's captain Bournemouth, anti. So he'll be he'll be a leader, and if he comes in at the back, you know what, like Lee just said, Warrell and McKenna, you know, are quite experienced at this level, but they can always they're still at an age where they can learn off someone who's been there and done it a bit more. So we'd have to see, obviously, if it happens first. Um, something kind of I go back to is under Billy when we had Paul McKenna in the side and. There was times when me and my friends, um, when I was a bit younger, always used to say, oh, why is he in the team? You know, he's not offering enough. And then when he was out of the team, you see him why he was in the team because of that, that, you know, that leadership. And that's maybe something that Cook can bring in in the centre out the fence um, with hopefully Warren and McKenna either side. I, I agree with Lee. I think we are a lot suited better with the two wing backs and three at the back. I do think we can be a little vulnerable when we've got four at the back. So, yeah, we'll just have to um, we'll just have to see. It. I mean, it doesn't seem like the club want to keep Figueredo after this season. I think 
it looks like his time's probably coming to an end at Forest, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think also the thing you said there about where I'll potentially be moved on would make sense because another someone else for us have um, got in for um, Tom Holmes at Reading, um, who sent it back right and can play right back. We're also linked with him this summer. We've made a second bid of seven hundred fifty thousand pounds, according to uh, the press in Reading, which has been not back. The guy's out, he's twenty one, he's out contract in the summer. It does maybe suggest that we are actually looking at a future without Worrell, for a sense. It's it's good into that the club are planning for these things, you, you know. We've, that that's the problem with Forest. We've had players leave, you know, like Ollie Burt was one under Fawaz, and then we're just signing a load of rubbish to try and replace him. So it, it's good to me that if Forest, you know, especially if they stay in this league, teams are probably going to come in for Johnson and Warren in the summer, especially if we stay. We know that. So Forest have got to have you know, something like Mark Warburton didn't have, and that's a plan B in place. And and if, you know, these things happen, they can, you know, say, fair enough, this has happened. It's not ideal, but we know what we're going to do. And for me, that's only a good thing, personally. Because we, we see, going back to the Middlesbrough game, we've seen, you know, the recruitment cost as cost us in that game because we've got to play a young lad at right back whilst we've got Carl Jenkinson, a senior right back who's on 25 grand a week, who's nowhere near the team. So, you know, good for me, this planning. So overlong, may it continue. Definitely what I would knows. say just quickly on the cook thing, I, I think people need, just need to, I hope people don't think it's going to be, oh, we're replacing Joe Worrell with Steve Cook. I, I think... I've read as well recently that we're going to offer John Souter a pre-contract agreement. Obviously, he plays overseas, so that can that sort of deal can be done. I just think it'd be an option that would is perhaps an upgrade on Figueredo that would allow him to play three at the back more often than not, rather than uh, we think Morrell's going to go, so we'll get Steve Cook in. I, I just think that will be an idle perception among our fan base, uh, possibly on social media. I think that's a given. I think that's yeah. bound to be a given. And I can't wait for the outrage when it's why we signed this 30 year old for a place, was a. And um, no doubt that'll bring out some very, very hot takes. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly shaping up to be a very interesting window. And it, again, yeah, the next uh, point of call for Forest, obviously, according to Sky Sports, Josh Bowler from Blackpool got a, a bid not back for him. Again, that could potentially show forward planning if Johnson were to go, for example. So, you know, yeah. It looks like Murphy's got the club in a healthy place in regards to forward planning, which is something we haven't seen for a long time. And it's going to be an interesting month, but we just have to see how it pans out, I suppose. On the topic of January transfer window, I've got a question for all of you. Uh, it looks like Forrest are only looking to sign three or four. Um, I'm, the quotes from Cooper in the Athletic were very telling, actually, and actually very true, where he basically said, you know, the clubs who sign six, seven, eight players in January normally says they've had a, they're in a really bad season, the players aren't good enough, the manager's not happy, etc. So he didn't want to do that. So it'd probably be at the most I suspect it'd be four. If you could sign one player for Forest in this team, in this setup with Steve Cooper, who would it be and why? So Adam, I'll start with you. Who would you like to see in Forest colours for the second half of the season? So this is like obviously we've got to be realistic, haven't we? Oh, so not Hotland or Mbappe, who I mean, you know, be, we're starting on three contracts it? anyway. But um, I think it's a tough one because we need we need a permanent right back, really. I know Jed Spence's on loan. We need a permanent left back because obviously Max Lowe is on loan. Um, we need a winger, and I still think we need another striker. And obviously we've just got got him, Keenan Davis on loan, and we yet to see what he's going to be like. And to be fair, I didn't get to touch on him, but I'm actually quite excited about him because we've not had like a big shit out striker when they're in like their younger years. We always get them when they're like ready to retire on, on the beach, like like Daryl Murphy or Darius Henderson or Eddie Bowler. So it's quite nice to have hey, 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 hey. I think personally, I think I'd like to I'd I'd rather see a sign Spence or Lowe permanently than than get anyone else in. I think we 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 could wait till the summer to get someone else of like a winger or or a striker or centre midfielder or whatever we want to do um, in my eyes I think those two positions at the moment with how we play are so much more important than anywhere else um, in, my, in my 
my opinion. So that, that's that's what I'm going to go with. Unfortunately, it's a bit boring, but that's, that's how I feel. No, fair. I think I think there is a part of me that wonders if we'll go back if you can as well. I guess it depends on Derby's situation. I mean, I mean, obviously, we, as we said before, this part of the administrator is more likely to sell to us than Mel Morris was. But equally, in their in, in their scheme of things. No, they'll just look at it objectively from a financial point of view. And if, it's, if we're just saying here's one million, they might go, well, that doesn't do anything for us. So yeah. we will have to see. Yeah, be, if, be, I think if we're yeah. going to say a different player, Buchanan or, or someone of that, that ilk that can come in on a permanent, reasonably priced, young, will fit fit like that mould that we're, we're looking at. Ah. So yeah, probably, probably a Lee Buchanan then would probably, if someone yeah. that's not at Forest currently on loan or permanently. Equally, though, I mean, you do make a good point because if we sign, say, for example, if we say, oh, we, we've signed Max Lowen uh, on a permanent deal, then we've got free loan space. So, you know, actually, squad. So, it, it, it's a valid point. Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying existing players if you so choose to keep them in. Um, so, Lee, with that in mind, who would you like to see us sign? Um, I mean, it's difficult, again, trying to be realistic. Before we were linked to him, I actually thought Bowler was one of the better players we've played against at the City Ground this season. Um, and I do think we are a little bit short behind the strikers. Um, even if they were fit, I, I don't think Lolly's he's not going to be a, a double figures for goals and assists sort of player anymore. Um, I still maintain that Alex Martin could benefit from a loan somewhere. So it does leave us a little bit short. So I think now we have been linked to him. I would probably plump for Josh Bowler from Blackpool just because he seems to be able to play anywhere across that, you know, that, that front three, uh, if you like. Um, he was a real handful for us. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd go for him. I mean, I, would, I do think we're going to be looking at the links. We are going to be kind of focusing on the back. But if we could bring one, maybe, two, well, we've got Davis, haven't we? So, yeah, one more attacking player. I probably would go for Bowler from Blackpool. Just get a shout and... Uh... It's if, I mean, again, it's difficult because Blackpool, I mean, this is talking from a... They seem to be slipping quite a bit yeah. and they could be in good danger actually being yanked into that relegation fight. So What I would say is if we did have a little bit of money to spend, again, it's very unreal, it probably is very unrealistic because the clubs that are being linked to him. But if we could kind of test the water and get a little upgrade on Bowler, I'd go for Lewis Potter from Hull. But I do yeah. think given that West Ham have been linked with him, Everyone wants us to get Bowen and he went to West Ham. I think it just seems a bit uncanny. And I do think that Lewis Potter will probably end up at West Ham with his former teammate. Yeah, uh, but, uh, again, that'd be good. But again, like he said, and like Reese said to us as well, like, it's all well and good enough sort of clamouring, but unless you can find 20 million on that on sofa. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, talk about Reese, what about you? Who would you like to see us go for? Um, yeah, um, same as Adam and Lee. I really, really liked Bowler when I seen him against us for Blackpool. The, the problem is, like you just said, Christian, we can't go round signing team's best players for peanuts. You know, we're going to have to pay money, you know, good money as well. I can't. I read that. I know. I think Bowler, I read he was out of contract at the end of the season, but Blackpool had a year. They could activate a year. So, yeah. yeah. So that kind of lumps his value up a bit because they can do what they want with him for another season, really. Um, I mean, for me, the top priority is another fullback. I know Lowe's close, but if you know him or Spence get injured in the next, you know, they come back locally back or in the next couple of weeks gets injured again, we're then back to square one again. So I do think we need it'd be nice to get a fullback who could play both sides. And that that is the real shame of I'll say because he can do that. So but I can see him going back now because you can't have a loan for a season and then be out for most of the season. That's just, you know, counterproductive to us. So, you know, I would like to see us sign another fullback. And um, we was linked with someone from um, an American one before, was it Boa Vista in the summer? Yes. Um, right. yeah. So it, it may be, he's maybe might be back on the card. I don't, I don't know. Um, another player who, you know, it's been rumoured, mentioned odd times, Callum Styles. he's someone I'm a massive fan of. I mean, I don't know, you know, what Barnsley would be willing to entertain for him because he is one of their better players what I've, whenever I've seen Barnsley. So, but for me, the priority is definitely signing another wing back, you know, and, and then probably after that, yeah, a winger. But 
you know, we'll see what Murphy and the team's got up the sleeve um, for the rest of the window. Yeah, very much so. And I think as well, um, you make a good point as well, the whole, like, best players for peanuts thing. This is what makes the January window such an inconvenience in a sense, because, you know, you, you set your stall out in the summer, you do a few minor tweaks, but you try not to lose your best players. And for, like I said, for Blackpool and for Barnsley, who are both fighting, who will be fighting relegation, and the way they're going on, one definitely is, one might be. If you're selling your best players with a threat relegation, it's well, you don't even entertain it, do you really? Unless um, there's like stupid money on the table. The best example was a couple of years back, once when Hull were mid table, they lost Grzitski and Bowen, and then they ended up coming down. So, you know, it's like with Reading, you know, us putting in bids 750k for them. If they think Holmes is going to keep help keep them in the division, they'd probably rather just lose him on a free at the end of the season. Absolutely. Or it gives them a yeah. bit more time to negotiate a new deal. So, you know, when you know when we're trying to sign good players, we're not gonna we're gonna struggle when we're trying to find a trying to sign a few for peanuts, really. But we'll see what happens. We will, yeah. I mean, in a dream world for me, um, if we could sign anyone, I'd love to see us go for Callum O'Hare at Coventry. I think he'd be such a good signing because so you could push, you could keep Zinkagel as a winger. You'd have style uh, O'Hare through the middle, someone who's plays three at the back as well. Like, but again, what it would cost us would be astronomical. I think he's him, and obviously Bowler again that Blackpool game. They're probably the two opposition players I've looked at and thought, yeah, Christ, I'd love seeing a red shirt because they're just very, very good footballers. Um, but yeah, from a purely sensible, pragmatic point of view, I think if we could get. I think I'd have a left wing back really. I think that's the main priority just because it we don't have another one. If like if Lowe gets injured, then it's Cole back a left wing back. And it's not really good because in terms of moving forward. So if we can get Buchanan, one, it would annoy Derby, and two, it would solve us a good um it would fix a hole for us. So that is good. But um we're not gonna move on from January, which we'll no doubt discuss in greater length at future pods, uh, <laughs> with all the roller coasters it throws up. We're not gonna move on to the question we asked you because the next time we speak to you we will know if Forest from the fourth round of the FA Cup or not so um, with it coming next weekend we once asked what was your first memory of Forest in the FA Cup so got a few responses uh, got Laurie Ash said Forest v West Ham in 2014 we won 5-0 aka the Jamel Abdoon game uh, Malcolm Heron says I'm showing my age but I remember the 2-1 loss against the final against Spurs Obvious one has been the most memorable for so many. Uh, Jess Beasley says the one that sticks out is in 2005. We were away at QPR and won 3 0. Uh, it was a year we went down, so it was unusual to see us score three. And Commons got his first goal for us that day. Team also included Dawson, Reed, Bop, and Taylor. Gareth Taylor, I presume that is the uh, uh, now Manchester City, a very good coach. Um, Ryan, Ryan Wise said first memories probably getting smashed 3 0 by Sheffield United at home. Chris Morgan scored a bicycle kick. Interesting. Uh, so Ford Pete says, not my first memory, but most memorable was 2018 against Arsenal. Not just for the win, but the fact it was a group of Arsenal fans with Trent End that were just so pissed off. Absolutely insane. Brazilian charge, two goals from Lehigh, two penalties. Moral getting sent off. Oh, he punted that pom into the sky, didn't he? Uh, David Jones says, drew Friel with Bolton in 1981. Miss Forest, a equaliser as their latest lead before the end. Walking up the Colwick Road steps when the ground erupted, still not forgiven him. So, boys, with that in mind, what is your first memory of Forest in the FA? I'll give you, I'll give you two here: your first and your best memory of Forest in the FA Cup. So, Lee, we'll start with you. Uh, I had to do a bit of research on my first, um, <laughs> but but it was it was Snowgate, the Tottenham game, uh, nineteen ninety six, I think it was. Well, I know it was because I researched it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got to, I think we played 14 minutes and then the Evans opened. I've never seen anything like it in all my life. The pitch was just covered in snow. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, was just, it wasn't even memorable for a, the game of football. It was uh, just crazy. Uh, it took us about four hours to get from Nottingham to Mansfield. Um, so, yeah, and then the replay, I think we went and drew when we played the home game again. And then I think the replay we won on penalties down at White Hart Lane. The famous one where Crossley saves about four penalties, then goes running around the pitch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that was my first. Most memorable, I think, was Man City away. Um, just yeah. given that that was when they just kind of come into all the money. Yeah, they still had some 
some crap in this squad then, but I think Vincent Company played midfield for them that day. Um, Joe Hart was in goal. So for me, it, that's the most memorable. I think the expectation levels were rock bottom going up there. We were bottom of the championship. We didn't even have a manager. Um, we went up there and it was an absolute masterclass. Tyson just whacking them in from everywhere. Um, I think Matt Thornhill might have played for us that day. I think he did. Yeah, I think he yeah. started. Um, uh, Cohen yeah. dispossessing Zabala and then teeing up Earnshaw. It was just such a great day. And then <laughs> I think Joe Garner made it 3-0 and just such a, a they're the sort of days that make you everything, all the lows watching a team home and away worthwhile. No, that, that was class time. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't get to go to that. I remember watching, I was, I, watching Sky Sports News because obviously it was on TV and just like in pure disbelief that Forest was going to score. Because they, they, I think they put, like, I think um, like Phillips, Alano played that day. I remember reading a match report was Joe plays and Joe cost him 20 million. And the report said Man City have signed the first player that cannot run or jump, which suggests he played well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Reese, what about you? Um, the first memory <laughs> is not a good one. And it's probably a game what, I mean, or you would struggle to forget. It was the early 2000s and we had Wolves at home in the FA Cup and we lost 1-0 and Adam Pradlock scored the winner very late on. That was my first game I can remember really in the FA Cup. Um, and, and, and that's it. There's nothing really more to say about that game. Um, I'd probably say, same as Lee, the best one. It's got either be Man City or Arsenal. Um, but the one that does go under the radar is when we beat Charlton in League One, um, when we was in the Premier League. Um, we? Uh-huh. Them. They were in the Premier League and we was in League One and I think they had like Hasselbank and Romadal and a few others play that day. Strong, yeah. yeah, the strong team. And we beat him 2-0. I think it was Grant Holton and Goga, I think, who scored. So I was only probably 13, 14 then. And I think Forrest made it onto the back page for the first time ever um, since I'd started supporting them. So that was a pretty... As a young kid, pretty cool because it was usually like Man United that on the back page, and you know it was third division Forest on the back page for once. I think we might, I think that might have been the season we ended up drawing Chelsea in the next round, possibly um, when the beat is when the beat is three now. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah apart, I mean, apart from that, I mean, I absolutely love the FA Cup, um, but Forest draws are always pretty boring. So and. You know, I know Arsenal's a huge club and that, but we've played them that many times over the last few years. It was another bit, bit of a boring draw this time for me. So, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Adam, what about you? So your first memory and your best. Struggle to go for the first memory. I, the only reason I remember like the FA Cup game against Spurs when Gaza broke his leg was because it was on Premier League years all the time. So, but I can't really count that. First memory would probably say... Uh, it's hard to ignore the City game that, that Lee mentioned, but I'll probably go for, for like proper memory. I'd, I'd say the West Ham game at home when uh, Patterson scored a hat-trick and Abdoun was celebrating other people's goals, um, which was quite funny. Um, but like best best memory, just just for pure for pure hilarity, is uh, us losing to Wigan and Lehigh missing a penalty on purpose. <laughs> just, just a funny one, isn't it? So like that, I'll go for that. Christ, yeah, I forgot about that. A Montagne game. And it was just complete disarray, wasn't it? Like, there was sort of like, just, Montagne was sort of stood helpless in a touchdown. The players were just going, fuck this guy, <laughs> doing whatever they wanted. Um, yeah, that was chaos. Um, my first memory, I remember, definitely the first game I went to, was about seven or eight. And we had, uh, it was in Oto Freezes, I think it was. And we had West Ham away in the FA Cup. And we lost it 3 2. But, we you know, had a goal that's allowed. Johnson missed a penalty. David Johnson, that is not Brennan, obviously. Um, yeah, it was just one of those, like, you know, the way end was just proper good. It was a really good away end that day. Like, we were class, we were much better. So, West Ham went down that year, but they still had people like Joe Carl, Michael Carrick, David James in goal. Um, I, think, I think the phone might have been flying around as well at that point. You know, it was, it was a very strong, it was, one, it was at West Ham side, they also was too good to go down. And we basically outplayed them in their own patch, but still lost in typical Forest fashion. Um, that was my first one. That was that was my f- what a proper introduction to the FA Cup that was. Like, I remember like standing in my seat and all sorts. It was great. Um, 
best, I think yeah, it's got to be the Arsenal game, isn't it? Just because, I mean, City, City has come very close because, you know, that was the turning point. But Arsenal, I mean, first only team to put Wenger out in the third rounds. You know, they were, I think they were holders at the time as well. You know, the fact, much like, um, you know, before, like, no one thought, the, the City game, no one thought we had a chance. We look at the team sheet, you look at the team sheet now, you think, fuck me, how did we win that game, let alone score four goals? Like, it's like ropey as hell in places. And, but yeah, we just went at them. Uh, ben Brereton retired per Mertesacker that day. Um, it was, it was a good, we had two penalties. You know, it was, it was a wild, wild affair. Um, and yeah, bloody hell, what a day. Like, it's, it's, come away from that. Like, it's, it's like those sort of moments you sort of go in thinking, oh, yeah, sure, there, there is actually some good times following Forest and it's not just pain and misery. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we're going to move on to the last bit of FUD, which is our predictions. Um, we'll have three games before we come back to you next. We'll have Barnsley at home in the league, Arsenal at home in the FA Cup, and then Millwall away in the league. So, Reese, we'll start with you. What do you reckon for those three games? Um, I mean, Bars is, well, I'm not going to say must win, but you, you've got to be winning them type of games at home that they're in. They're really struggling, aren't they? I, I think the new... The new manager's not really had any kind of balance with them. So, yeah, um, it, you know, we spoke about on this pod before how we, we felt we're not far hammering aside. And with us losing a couple of games, it wouldn't surprise me if we ended up hammering Barsley tomorrow. But I'm going to just go 3-0 that one. Um, convincing win, hopefully. Arsenal, <laughs> you know... It, it, all depends how you kind of got to say how, it depends how strong they go, I guess. Um, you, I think you mentioned the Jack Christian are not in Europe this year, so they will probably you'd think would look at that as a tournament where they could probably go and win, you know. And, and to be fair, it kept Wenger in a job for years that tournament, so uh, I don't know. Christ, how are you meant to pick that one? Um, I'll go. I do think I do think we'll give a spirited show. I do, and again as well. We, you know, it depends how strong we go, um, because you know our priority is trying to get in the playoffs. I mean, we all love an FA Cup run, but but there isn't many games as this month as well. But so it's a tough one. But I'll go. I'll go Arsenal to edge it two one to them. Um, I mean, it, it would be really nice to obviously upset them again, but. I don't think Arteta will be as naive as Wenger, who I think literally had a load of kids on the bench near that night. This is when they had like Ozil and Alexis Sanchez and they didn't really have anyone to bring on, whereas Arteta would probably think, well, I'll keep Saka on the bench, I'll keep Lacazette on the bench. Um, going at Millwall, onto Millwall, and, you know, typical cliche or tough place to go in at the den. You know, everyone says that. So, um I'm probably going to a 1-1 draw at Millwall, which won't, to be fair, won't be a bad result there. You know, they don't, I don't think they're far behind us at all, are they, Millwall? They always seem to be one of them stalwart mid-table championship sides. Always always a tough to beat. You know, Matt Smith will turn into, you know, prime Harry Kane against <laughs> us. So, yeah, if we can, I think if we get a minimum of four points out of the next two in the league, I think we've got to be pretty content with that, personally, before the... Um, before the big one then into yes indeed uh, for our woolly neighbours come on to um, Trent sides Millwall are one point behind us you're right um, yeah which play today they have. yeah so Lee what about you mate what, you're those those three games so Barnsley at home Arsenal at home and Millwall away well I won't be at the Barnsley game so that usually means a nailed on victory for Forrest <laughs> um, so I'll go for, yeah, I think if uh, I think the key with us at the minute is getting an early goal. If we get an early goal against a team like Barnsley, I expect a bit of a rout. Um, so I will go for a 3-1 win against Barnsley. Uh, Arsenal, as we said, it's very difficult until you've seen the team sheet uh, for both sides, really. I do think they will have a bit too much. Whatever team they put out these days, I think... Arteta does seem to like the cup competitions. Um, whether it favours us slightly that they're still in the Carabao Cup uh, is interesting. Um, mm. So it might be a 
a kind of a second string. But even then, the players that are coming in should be good enough to kind of combat what we've got. So I'll go for a spirited 3-2 defeat in that one. Bit of a goal fest. <laughs> and then Millwall, Millwall v Forest is typically a draw. Um, but I'm going to go with a win on this occasion. I just think we're, we seem to enjoy playing away more than we do at home. Um, I think that proved at Swansea. Not so much at Middlesbrough. But yeah, I think if it all clicks, a couple of new signings in place by then, I think we will win 2-1 at Millwall. 2-1, nice. And Adam, what about you? Yeah, Barnsley should be a comprehensive victory. I don't, I don't want to sound, I don't want to go too too ranty like I did against Huddersfield, but yeah, it's a team we need to. I think it's a good one to bounce back against and get get us kickstarted again. Uh, obviously, for the new year, and get us back in in full swing of of, of winning. Uh, again, this is where I've said in the past our home form has really like done us in, uh, in in recent times. But yeah, I'd like to see us win two, three in, a, in that one. I think I think if we get an early goal, we'll put them to the sword a bit. Um, Arsenal, it's going to be a tough game, regardless whether they're in the Carabao Cup or not, because they've just got some exciting young young players coming through, like Belogan and Ketia. Obviously, they've still got like, obviously like the, the, the stalwarts of the team of Saka and Smith-Rowe and and whatnot, so they, they they're going to be a hard team. I think I think we'll we'll probably lose a spirited like three one or something, but it will be closer than like the scoreline suggests, sort of thing. I think I think we'll throw the kitchen sink at them at least. Um, might we might I I know we've not got that many games, but you might even see us rotate a tiny bit just because we need to give players a rest um, and keep keep them fresh for the league. Because I think that's our priority. Um, Millwall. Everyone's already touched on it. Such such a hard game to play against. Rowett seems to thrive playing against us, and and as Reese has touched on, Matt Smith does turn into some sort of goal machine. <laughs> like he's space jam, doesn't it? Where yeah, it's first. very, it's very, like, very weird. I've always thought like maybe we should go after him, but then like after he plays against us, he turns back into being to being useless again. But donkey, yeah, yeah. But this is where a game where I think the likes of someone like. A, like Keenan Davis coming into will we'll thrive because he's going to play against someone quite big like like a Cooper at the back and um, Hutchinson. So it kind of gives us that different option. Um, I won't be shocked to see his nick it like one nil, but I, I I agree with with the, with with Reece. I think it'll be probably be a draw and go. I'll probably go one all. That's fair enough. Um, Barnsley, I agree. Well, we need to be winning that game. There's no must win yet, and. They probably won't likely be for a fair while for Forest, but I do think that you know, if you if you want to be moving up the league, up the table, and having genuine aspirations of the top six, you've got to be beating a team twenty points worse off than you at this stage of the season at home. So, yeah, I, I'd say two nil there. I say yeah, two nil winning against Barnsley. If we're in control, keep if, if it stays two nil, it's a professional job. It's whatever. Arsenal, I think. Is going to be interesting because obviously they're going to be wounded animal after yesterday's two-one loss to Man City. However, they've got Liverpool on Thursday in the, in the League Cup semi-final said so that means they probably will play a second-string side against us. Now, whether we match that remains to be seen. And I know Arteta does like the cups, but he's also the Spanish Tony Pulis, so it swings and roundabouts. Really, um, I think I. I I wouldn't be surprised if we went full strength and caused an upset, if because I think they will. Then they've got Spurs the week after Forest, and there is no way they'd be risking their best players getting injured for that because that game could be crucial to their top four aspirations. Um, I'm gonna put myself out. I'll say one 0 Forest. We'll have them. Fuck them. Their managers are raging fraud. Whatever. Let them focus on their other more important matters. I remember um, the last time we called a manager a fraud on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel amazing, very strongly about this, uh, Christian? But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that <laughs> I think we can. I think we can do something. I think Cooper, from what we saw last year, as we found out first first hands, doesn't take the cups as much as sort of like an inconvenience. I mean, they smashed us five one last year. Um, played a good side as well. So I'm, I'm thinking there's a, a chance. 
there's a chance. And if it is people like, even with, even though I have like the boys on the bench, like Saka, et cetera, even if it start with people like Nketiah, it'll be Lelo and Gold probably. But I, yeah, you've got a chance. Be optimistic, be brave. And as for Millwall, Keenan Davis masterclass will win 2 0. <laughs> Full of positivity, gotta be. Um, so yeah, I make that two wins and uh, an aim in the round four which if my prediction is correct, let's hope it is. And then we'll move on to the Derby game. Buoyant and very happy for this podcast again, as opposed to coming off it into three losses. Um, but yes, thank you all for listening once again. We will see you in two weeks. And God knows what's mad as one fold and forest between now and then. But until then, take care. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You in? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 